Hello, horror fans. It's Matt here. Thank you for coming back to listen to Death Bipod. Elizabeth and myself are incredibly grateful and we do hope you enjoy the episodes. Now, the majority of podcasters will tell you that their early episodes are a bit waff or at least not of the quality of later episodes. And whilst we're both very proud of all of our episodes, it does go about saying that in these early ones, we were very much finding our feet and our rhythm. So please bear that in mind. And we would recommend checking out our latest episodes first and then working backwards if you haven't done so already. Now, with that out of the way, enjoy this episode of Death by Pod. cleared my throat. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the world. And welcome to Death by Pod, the scarily good monthly horror show from what I watch tonight. As ever, joining me is a Tiffany to my Chucky and my simply spectacular co-host. Me, Vloggy Balboa. Woohoo! I feel like we've done this particular part already tonight, but for those who aren't privy to the conversation, let's just pretend we haven't just recorded and not recorded. So, how on earth are you? <laughs> I'm really good. Good. Anything, I'm really uh, tired. Tired, yeah. Have you had fish for dinner tonight? I have had fish for dinner tonight. How did you know? I don't know. I just had a, I just had a feeling. Any kind of... Uh, did you have any kind of like pulses or, or anything from the ground with it? Um, it did have some potatoes and mm. it had some vegetables, both of which come from the ground. That's a very healthy meal. Anything uh, Anything else happen? Have you, hmm, have you been in these um, stinky buses recently? For <laughs> fuck's sake. I have. I have. I get on a stinky bus in the morning and it stinks. Yeah, I don't like people who smell. It really winds no. me. Really, especially, I, I I don't like it when people no, can't tell that they smell. I mean, surely, you get up in the morning, you put your shirt and your suit on, or if you're casual wear like me, a t-shirt or a shirt, you must know that you stink. Come on. You should know. You should know. Yeah. But maybe they've gone nose blind like that Febreze advert. Yes, what I need to do is spray a few bits of Febreze and then the smell of shit and everything unholy just disappears. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I feel like we've already had this conversation before, but the bus that I get on is really packed. So, you know, sometimes these things just happen. I suppose it'd be quite fun to try and work out who's who, so you could sit at the back of the bus and or the bus and observe which one you think it could be, and then, if you're feeling brave, go in for a little sniff. See, this is how I know that you don't get on the bus because you never sit on the back of the bus because then you can't get off the bus. I used to sit at the back of the bus at school. Yeah, no, you don't do that when you're an adult. You sit right at the front. In fact, there's like there's this one solo seat at the front, which is like the golden seat. And if you manage to get on the bus first, then you get the only solitary seat on the bus, Isn't that which for is the, the one that I like to try and get. Women? Oh no, no, I don't. <laughs> the pregnant women have their own like disabled okay. seats. There's just this one, this one like loner seat at the front, and I like to sit on that, okay. away from all the smell. Okay, well, clearly I'm lacking in the public transport etiquette. But next time I get in a bus, I'm going to find the solo seat and then see if I can spot the smellies. Yeah. Do that. 
Nice. Bloggy Balboa has endorsed it. Anything else happened to you this month that's pod-worthy? Um, no. <laughs> <laughs> no Learn to French. Oh, French. actually, no, I'll tell you what. I'll go tell on. you what. Go, go, go I've on. got a new bag. I've got a new bag, and it's a man's bag. Bloggy's got a I brand new bag. Me, as a woman. You're a trendsetter. What's in the bag? What's it look like? What's, is it leather? Does it have uh, buttons it's on it? Kind of like, it's kind of like mock leather. I guess, and it's like a backpack, and it's got lots of different pockets in it for lots of different things, mm. manly things. I'm assuming. Yeah, like razors and things like that, and knuckle dusters and uh, yeah, footballs and stuff like that. Football. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Everything men like, like, like bags of sweat, you know, proper man stuff, methane. Willy warmer. Yeah, everybody you needs know. a willy warmer. Everyone needs a willy, especially in the winter. Brim full of willy warmers. On the 45. It is winter is coming. Uh, this isn't a Game of Thrones podcast, but winter is coming. Actually, autumn comes first, but yeah. Halloween. Yeah, oh, I'm looking forward to our Halloween podcast, which we haven't decided on yet, but I'm telling you it's going to be good. It's going to be good. We're going to dress up. I don't know what it is yet. We're going to dress up, we're going to decorate, and we're going to have a bloody good time. But. Halloween is my Christmas. It is. I like Halloween. There's something about it, and I'm going to go off on a tangent now for probably only about 10 seconds but i love halloween i don't know what it is i love christmas i'm a big christmas fan i'm a big kid at heart but something about the lead up to halloween which i think is wicked there's not the day or slash night is always a bit of a <laughs> letdown but i like i love the time of halloween i think it's just because some awesome horror films are set around that time i don't know what it is but i like it pumpkin yes pumpkin i like pumpkin pie even that's a winter thing but i like carving pumpkins i like i like all that stuff yeah it's good fun Right, I've got that out of my system now. I haven't done anything this month, as I've mentioned. I've had a pretty, pretty vanilla month. So um, it's that's why I let Bloggy lead off, because her life is infinitely more exciting and um, probably more enjoyable than, than mine. So those new to yeah. the show, it is. <laughs> those, those new to Death by Pod, Elizabeth and myself, we talk about one horror film from the history of the genre. We break it down, hack, slash, and exercise it. Uh, and so basically we dive into the movie, what was good about it, what was bad about it, and what we think about it. And as I've mentioned before, there's no filter here. If it's good, it's good. If it's bad, we'll we'll have fun dissecting it. So, Bloggy, without any further, please can you pull back the coffin lid and reveal the movie we're going to be getting into tonight? I can. It's going to be... Drum roll. Fright Night! Woohoo! It was released in 1985, directed by Tom Holland, and it stars Chris Randon, William Ragsdale, Amanda Beers, Roddy McDowell, and Stephen Jeffries. And it's about a boy who discovers that his next-door neighbour is a murderous vampire, so he tries to convince the police and his family and his friends, but no-one believes him, so he decides to take matters into his own hands. Welcome to... Fright night. For real. Charlie! Charlie! Well, what happens if you go into that house alone and he gets you? Who's gonna stop him then? You don't have to be afraid of me. I know what it's like being different. Well, apparently, she's working nights. But... She left a note! You have to have faith for that to work, Mr. Vincent. Remember, 
<laughs> well now, Charlie, you saw that. Are you convinced now that Mr. Dandridge is not a vampire? You want chicken, man, you go someplace else. Out of my way. Amy, what are we gonna do? This is just like Fright Night. I love you, Charlie. He didn't cast a reflection in my mirror. Satisfied now? Mr. Vincent, you have to call the police. Mr. Vincent, shit! Is Thanos in the oven? I don't want to kill you, Charlie. I want you to bring Peter Vincent to my house, just the two of you. That is, if you ever want to see Amy again. Forget about me, Charlie. Forget about me, and I'll forget about you. What do you say, Charlie? You're out of time, Mr. Dandridge. Spooky. It is some spooky stuff. 1985 was a superb year for the world because I was bought into it. So uh, oh. that's probably the highlight of the year. Other than maybe this, we'll get into that. Yeah, Tom Holland, not Spider-Man. This is uh, Tom Holland's first uh, feature film, I believe. He went on to do things like Child's Play afterwards, but he kind of set his stool out of this. He made a lot of money, 24.9 million bucks, and was the second highest horror film, grossing horror film of that year behind A Nightmare on Elm Street 2, Freddy's Revenge. Which was shit. Fright Night. I didn't pick this film. This was this was a bloggy endorsed choice. What's your thinking behind that? Well, actually, like I, I had a little prepare for this. I spoke to my mum about it, and we worked out that it was around 1999 that she bought me the VHS of it from ASDA. And ASDA. From ASDA, and she also got the Money Pit and Duck Soup. It was a really eclectic mix that she brought home. And I watched Fright Night because it was kind of like a PG, family-friendly, I guess, kind of a thing. Even though it's not a PG, is it? It can't it's be. It's not a PG, no. No. Uh, it's rated R, which is a 15. Oh, okay. Well, so my mum was pretty You were far too it. young to be watching that. She was pretty lapsed, clearly. So yeah. I watched Fright Night and there were parts of it that, you know, it was kind of one of those, like, it was scary, but it wasn't too scary. So I just loved it. I love Fright Night. Yeah. Uh, it is actually an 18. I must quickly correct myself. So you're so mother bloggy. Bloody hell. What are you playing at? Jeez, really? Your daughter. God, do you know what? 18. She wouldn't let me go out on my own until I was about 18. <laughs> so I'm surprised that I'm, I'm, I'm going to take this up with her. I think you should. And uh, we can have it as a podcast extra. Bloggy takes it out on her mother. Yeah, absolutely. All those years nice, of well. repressed anger. Well... There's some cool things about this film before we get into it. Charlie Sheen auditioned for the role of Charlie Brewster, which, of course, went to William Ragsdale. Um, and can you imagine Charlie... This is obviously Charlie Sheen pre-AIDS and weird stuff. <laughs> can you imagine Charlie, Charlie Sheen in the lead role that back then? Suck. He would have just... He would have made it really arrogant, wouldn't he? He wouldn't have been, like, sweet, fun Charlie Brewster. He'd have been arrogant, twat-faced Charlie Sheen. <laughs> Yeah, say how it is. Yeah, I... I Sorry, Charlie Sheen. I've, You've got a twat face. <laughs> <laughs> I find it hard to think about other actors in a role when a film's been out, especially one that's been out for so long. But, yeah, it just seems like William Magsdale is Charlie Brewster and Charlie Sheen would only share that first name misspelt with the guy. But So that would have been quite off-putting. 
Vincent Price was thought of for the role of um, Peter Vincent, who he was actually later named after him, and Peter Cushing. But Roddy McDowell went for it because, and Roddy McDowell put his own wicked little spin on it, which I really enjoyed. Roddy McDowell from Planet of the Apes as well, if you remember that name. But Shall we just get into the film? Because I know you enjoy talking about this film, quoting this film, and living this film. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, all of my next-door neighbours, I've, I've tried to kill all of them. Under suspicion of being a vampire. Yeah, yeah. How's, it, how's that? How's that worked out for you? It's not worked out too well. I really do have some things to take up with my mum, don't I? After this podcast. Yeah, you have. You have. But if it gives you a better appreciation and more to gush about, then let's pod on. So, yeah, awesome film. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for coming tonight, bloggy. Yep. All the best. See you later. <laughs> I mean, the film starts with a wicked... The film starts like a two-minute long shot. It's a slow pan. You've got voice. You've got voices, um, voiceovers, which you assume are the main characters. Turns out it's a television on the film. And there's some really sloppy kissing going on, which went straight through my ears and my brain and made me shudder. And it's the main characters of Charlie Brewster and Amy Peterson, uh, played by Amanda Bears, his girlfriend, both teenagers, even though they're both in their mid-twenties. When it was filmed, they've got this love... For a TV show called Fright Night, this fictional TV show hosted by a former movie vampire hunter, Peter Vincent, again, Roddy McDowell. Um, so we quickly find that they like him. We know we notice that we we know that Charlie has got a raging lob on for Amy, and she and they finally get to do it. But then Charlie notices that him, his neighbour is a vampire. His <laughs> new neighbour is a vampire. Yeah, so it starts with um, Fright Nights on the telly and it's framed a bit like a hammer horror, um, you know, a bit of a cheesy vampire, you know, I'm a vampire killer. Um, And I think it's sort of self-referential because obviously vampire movies weren't so popular because of Hammer and things like that, but then this movie brought it back. And so it's kind of referring back back to the old vampire movies and straight away you know that this one's going to be different and it's probably why the lost boys was so successful later on yeah i agree it does the way that the television show fright night is portrayed is absolutely just proper corn cheese all over it and whereas this is yeah i i also agree with the lost boys comparison as well because i'm not sure it's a good film but this kind of set the foundations for it i think so yeah charlie after finally getting to potentially the next base of his uh, long-suffering girlfriend after a year or so, he notices through his window that his neighbour, Billy Cole, who's a very tall-looking bloke, is painting his window, uh, painting his wagon, uh, and there's something <laughs> slightly strange about him. Yes, he does. Yeah, sorry, I got distracted. My dog was walking around. Um... Woof. <laughs> that was me. Yeah, I feel really sorry for Amy because he's all like so that whole scene she's like he's he's trying to put he's trying to put his hand up her skirt and she's like, Oh no, Charlie, stop it, Charlie, stop it. You feel kind of bad for her. It doesn't really set Charlie up as a like a nice fellow. It, no, yes, he's, he's like a, a Ross character, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. He's clearly a raging bunch of hormones because he's a teenager, but it also makes him out to be a bit of a dick to start with. Yeah. And to Absolutely. be fair, actually, the decisions he makes throughout the movie don't help that, but that isn't a slight on the character. But he notices that his his uh, neighbour's a vampire, apparently, or just <laughs> summing up with him. And then later on, very soon, 
<laughs> he notices a telltale sign that something's up when he realises there's two guys carrying a coffin <laughs> in the night into that into his next door neighbour's house. So yes, he goes outside right. and he's hiding in the bushes. Yeah, that bit's really funny. So like he's he's basically just about to he's basically pressured Amy into having sex with him for one thing as well. So she gets all under the covers like, oh, I'm ready. And he's like, oh, the two guys are carrying a coffin, but they've got Fright Night on. So she thinks, oh, he's just taking the mick. And then they they have this big argument and they run downstairs and his mum's like, oh, are you having a lover spat? And it's just all, it's so already a bit like how, you know, the Lost Boys is kind of using the whole vampirism as a as a way to show like coming of age and becoming a man and i think that fright night's trying to do the same thing but obviously it's all inherently about sex i guess <laughs> as most vampire films are most horror films end up going around to that at some point maybe he just couldn't had erectile dysfunction that's why it's like shit uh coffin um head for, i mean for christ's sake turn the damn television off if you're gonna you know have a cuddle you don't you don't need that in the background surely I don't know, sometimes it's nice, but then I suppose if it's something funny, you get distracted, don't you? Yeah, but I don't want to hear some blokes, I am the vampire killer. Oh, you're the boner killer in the background. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but yeah, they have the they have a spat, but Charlie is absolutely adamant that something is going on next door. So he sees the coffin uh, later on, and he's hiding in the bushes, and this time he notices there's another guy there, who we find out is Jerry Dandridge, played by the wonderfully chiselled Chris Sarandon. Chris Sarandon. Yeah, Jerry Dandridge has got his, this movie so 80s that the, the <laughs> villain's got his own sort of synth soundtrack. So whenever it's he appears on awesome screen, it's like... <laughs> it's, elect- it's just like really synthy electric guitar. <laughs> yeah, just like that. If you guys listen, you must have felt like you were in the film then. It's like he's got a, he's, he's got Brian Eno just following him around. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's, he's in the bushes as well. You know, in the Dandridges for one night only. Bow, wow. He's there and he throws his apple towards him and uh, Charlie's mother comes out and starts shouting, which makes it look like she's shouting for a cat. Uh, and then he bundles himself in. It's So, yeah, we basically, the start of the film is Charlie has been pressurising his girlfriend into doing it. And when the time finally comes, he then starts seeing things. He starts noticing guys in the house opposite one with vampire fingers, another with a coffin. Then later on, he sees a woman in the house. He notices that uh, Billy Cole and Jerry have abnormally long fingernails and uh, fangs for teeth, which could also be a bit of a giveaway. Could be a bit of a giveaway. Yeah, because it's the um, I think the whole thing plays on the fact that he's supposed to be like a single, single white guy living alone, yeah, and then. You know, and obviously his mum kind of fancies him as well because she's like, oh, yeah, the guy's moved in next door and he's really good looking and apparently he's really nice, but he's probably gay. And then Charlie's like, no way, I don't think so, because he sees the uh, the cool girl go up to the house. And that's when later on in the night, he hears like this really blood curdling scream. And then all the lights next door go out and he's like, hmm, something's afoot. <laughs> and yeah, because the, the hot blonde turns up and... Um, Charlie is just mesmerised by her, and it turned out that she's later later missing, but all murdered, and um, that also yeah piques his interest. But we haven't mentioned as well his best buddy, uh, your boy Jeff Stephen Jeffries as uh, Evil Ed. He's uh, he's made an appearance, and he's better at trick than Charlie is. Oh, I love Evil Ed. 
Evil Jeffries is awesome. Yeah, he is. He's just so mental, like over the top, but in such a strangely like magnetic way. I think he's one of the only like, apart from Roddy McDowell, who gives always. I love Roddy McDowell. I think he's great. But um, yeah, Stephen Jeffries gives like an actually like believable performance. Like I believe that he's like that in real life. Yeah, he does look like he's just ha- he just it's like bumbled on set and is just having a laugh. It, yeah, I know him. He does seem very genuine, uh, unlike Charlie, who thinks he sees vampires. He even gets the cops involved, gets a detective round to his neighbours. They find out that nothing's wrong, even when he challenges him to go into the basement. The detective Lennox basically tells him, "Look, kid, if you." piss me around anymore i'm hauling your ass to jail so nobody obviously believes charlie he mentions it to amy she doesn't believe him evil ed doesn't believe him necessarily the police don't believe him his mother thinks he's cuckoo but um evil ed gives him some wicked advice puts a garlic up and he can't come into your house unless he's invited and who's going to invite uh, a handsome guy like jerry into their house exactly that was the one plot hole, though. Like, you know, oh, that was the one plot hole. <laughs> Everything else was believable up until that point. <laughs> yeah. So a guy that is obsessed with Fright Night, watches it every night without fail, is obsessed with Peter Vincent, doesn't know what to do if a vampire is going to come and get him. Don't really believe that. That bit was a bit stupid. Charlie would know what to do, surely? Yeah, Charlie seems... Well, he spends his life watching him, even as he's about to be in the throes of intercourse. He's still got him in, blabbering away in the background. Do you think he'd pick up some tips? <laughs> no vagina will stop me watching Peter <laughs> Vincent. Yeah. I get after Peter's voice. <laughs> that was Charlie, not me, by the way. Yeah, nobody had a reason, but Evil Ed... So, yeah, Evil Ed has... Basically, so no, you can't, nobody he can't come in. This is invited, uh, and of course, Charlie's mother has a has a mad crush on Jerry. And the next scene is literally Jerry's uh, his mother saying, "Oh, I've invited somebody in," and guess who it is? It's Jerry Dandred. Yeah, because he's he Jer, Jerry kind of by this point, Jerry knows that Charlie knows that he knows that that they know, they all know. Apart from nobody knows, apart from Charlie and Jerry. So. It's this whole bit where he's like, oh, this, you know, he, go, he tells the cops and, you know, the policeman drives away and then Jerry Cole's like looking at him and he's like, oh my God. And he realises it's nearly dark. So he rushes over to Ed's house and it's like, oh, I'm going to I'm gonna get killed tonight by a vampire. Please help me. And he comes home and there he is. And he's got like this weird, they did like this stupid shot where he's got his arm like on the back of the chair just to show that he's got normal fingers this time. He's a he's normal Jerry Dandridge, not nocturnal Jerry Dandridge, creature of the night kind. And he's full of charm, and his mum is like frothing at the gash for him. She can't get enough of it. Just any any time, come over any time, Jerry. And Charlie is just you can see he's just he's bricking it basically. He's like, oh my god, he's his mum has proper bracked him there. Yeah, he's, he's brucking it. <laughs> <laughs> Bruck night. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, he's buggered basically because the only the only, the the only barrier between him and his neck not being punctured has been taken down by his own mother's lust. Exactly. There's a lot of that actually. There's a lot of kind of like um, sort of female like object of the gaze thing going on where like the women kind of objectify Jerry Dandridge quite a bit. And then subsequently, Charlie's just getting none of it. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah. Which I think is what makes it so good, though, because um, obviously, like, 
his mum his mum then stops becoming you think that because he lives with his mum that he might be a bit safe but you can see that his mum sort of doesn't really care in a way she's kind of more she's more focused on her own sex life as opposed mm-hmm. to the well-being of her kid yeah well even when uh going back to when she's mentioning the lover's spat with his girlfriend she didn't even look she, she even then he's kind of patronizingly saying it to them even though they are teenagers so yeah she's kind of in her own bubble but if yeah. um, somebody with a jaw like jerry came around i and i'd probably drop trow as well but um, <laughs> and later on in the evening we find out that jerry is uh he's in charlie's bedroom he's hiding in the shadows waiting for him to come back basically gives him an ultimatum just back off i'm a vampire just leave me alone or else die, basically. So Charlie, given that fairly obvious choice, decides to go against it and brandishes a crucifix at Jerry, which you know pushes Jerry away because that's when we—that's when we, as an audience, absolutely know he's—he is vampiric. They have a fight, and eventually Charlie stabs Jerry's hand with a pencil, which is uh, quite a brutal thing to do. And later on, Jerry destroys Charlie's car and says, "I'm coming for you." Basically, I'm coming for you. But that bit, eight-year-old me watching that bit where he's he's come into his room and we know that he's in his room, but Charlie doesn't know. And then Charlie's there and he sort of does that thing where he like yawns and you know that Jerry's behind him. And I remember mm-hmm. that as an as an eight-year-old, I couldn't watch that scene. It used to oh. really, it was so tense. Like and now I watch it and I'm like, geez, like, I was such a... I was such a wimp. You were eight years old. I couldn't handle the suspense of it because I knew that he was behind him and it was that bit where he yawns and then he sort of stops mid-yawn and is like, oh, God, there's someone behind me. And it's the fact as well that he's making all that noise. So he grabs him by the throat and he's kicking away at his pinball machine, all the the glass is breaking. He's also like, he's he's pulled the door to his mum's bedroom so shut that it's broken through the like the door frame and that doesn't wake her up she's just it's this constant like failure of authority like the police it kind of it's almost framed and this is really interesting because of the whole you know the slasher boom and everything and in fact even um peter vincent says you know my ratings have dropped because everyone wants to see people in ski masks hacking up virgins it it almost plays on the the codes and conventions of a slasher where there's no there's no authoritarian figures whatsoever and the only person that Charlie can rely on is the really really old Peter Vincent who just seems really frail and weak and it just makes you feel really helpless but no that's that scene it really freaked me out when I was a kid couldn't cope with it poor little mini bloggy but yeah he's in his he's in his safe place he's in his bedroom as a kid if you're scared of monsters, you go into your bedroom, you hide, in, hide under your covers, that's where you're safe. And to get attacked as a teenager in your own bedroom by a red-eyed, furious uh, vampire, it's probably not the sort of thing that an eight-year-old's going to relate to or want to see as they go to bed that night. He makes a lot of strange noises as well. When Jerry Dandridge turns into a vampire, he can't really control himself. I don't know what it is. He's sort of like... <laughs> he goes like falsetto. It's like... <laughs> he, he does go proper theatrical, doesn't he? He does. He gets really... He goes really hammy with it. Because there's, there's a bit later on in the film where he just, for some reason, goes, So! Yes, he does. Five minutes of him just going, So! <laughs> Towards the end of the film, he just turns proper Broadway. He does. He <laughs> but it took so long to get to like eight hours or something stupid like that, or four, uh, up to eight hours to get his makeup on. So, 
I mean, I would probably, I'd probably end up going being driven mental sitting there for eight hours. So fair play to them for you know he doesn't getting have that into much... it. What eight hours? It's not like is he's that... got a prosthetic on or anything. I've got just... an even better one for you later on. This is this is the tension rising. Okay. Oh god. Eight hours is just, nada. Just like eight year old me all over again. I feel like you're coming from a closet. Are you coming out the closet? <laughs> I, was, I wasn't in your closet oh, when I was like, when you were eight. Thing. Do you think they've got him to come out of his closet in like some weird kind of? No, I think I'm clutching at straws. I think there, you're lit- being too literal. There, he might have done. But well, on the show and ask him. Bram Stoker's Dracula was all about AIDS, wasn't it, and HIV and stuff and bad <laughs> blood. Well, you generally is bad blood, yes. Well, no, but it is. It really was. It was supposed to be like a you know a metaphor for yeah. HIV. Well, yeah, it was. Yeah, this is isn't I don't think but there are actually things in this but no there are I think yeah there are subtexts and that about homosexuality and stuff in this film I think but definitely not about yeah about Bram Stoker's Dracula that was a that had a different um yeah metaphor going through it (laughs) why do I always have to turn it back into something about sex why can't it just be a horror film that we enjoy Elizabeth you perv Moving swiftly on yeah. from your filthy, lurid mind. <laughs> so, um, yeah, he so he's obviously go, goes after his cars. He's going to come back. So the game is on now. And like you've mentioned, Charlie should know where to turn if there's a vampire out there. And it's at this point during the film where he actually finally thinks, shit, I sit there salivating over a vampire killer. So he turns to Peter Vincent. For help, finally we get Peter Vincent in the flesh, but Peter basically just just tells him to sod off and assumes he's mad. It wasn't. It's not till later that uh, Amy goes round because she's seen that Charlie is going to kill his next door neighbours and says, "Right, I need I need to go and get Peter on board, and um, you know I'll pay you, but please just come and come and tell us that this guy's in a vampire and save my boyfriend." I love that bit when he goes to when he goes to see um, when he goes to see Peter Vincent. And he goes, goes, I believe in vampires. And he's like, oh, it's really nice. It's a shame there weren't a few more of you. And he goes, I have a vampire living next door to me. Yeah, he turns around and looks at him. But you you said that you, you know, you said that you'd help me. And he just goes, I lied. I don't know what, there's just, there's something brilliant. I think because Roddy McDowell is like a proper classic actor. Like he was, um, God, what film was he in? He was in like Ben-Hur or something. He was in one of those, like proper old school epic blockbuster movies so when you see him in movies like this he still he still acts really well but he just makes every even though he's only got like this this silly little part it's brilliant yeah he's a bit like alec guinness in star wars he kind of brings that sort of old sort of golden generation feel to an otherwise you know different type of feel uh, different type of tone to it but yeah you can tell that he's having an absolute blast in this role. You can tell that from the beginning as the film goes further on, you can tell he's absolutely loving this part. Yeah, he's uh he's truly relishing in it. I feel like um I'm still shocked about the amount of time it took for them to cause Peter Vincent's got more makeup on than Jerry's Andridge does, surely. He's got all the you know, he's got they've aged him significantly. Like you can... quite a lot, yeah. And to be fair, when I watched it on VHS, I you know probably because I was eight as well, but I didn't notice it. But when I then watched it again on like my massive TV, you can really see his his makeup. 
that they've just it's very very blatant like black lines around his face and stuff <laughs> and they just covered his hair in talc as well it's like oh, you got yeah and his hair changed and the same with charlie's the hair changes to color during the film i mean this, i mean most of the, this film was made for what nine and a half million dollars and most of that was spent on special effects but yeah they uh the facial prosthetics of peter could have done been done a bit more i don't know if i've mentioned that but my favorite film is the exorcist and they really uh <laughs> And what they did with Max von Sydow was the way to do it. I actually believed he was an old git when I first saw that film. It wasn't until I saw, till years later, I thought, fuck, Jesus, he was only like 40-something in that film. But I oh, really? Look... I didn't know that. Well, he's, yeah, he was in The Force Awakens a few years ago, he's in, and The Game of Thrones, and that's how he looks now old. But back then, he was only about 40-something. They really did a bang-up job on him. But this is an ex, this is his Fright Night. And, um, yeah, so as I say, Amy's paid Peter Vincent $500 to look, to save my boyfriend's and that's when he finally agrees to go around to Jerry and Billy's place, and it's great. This is when it. This is when the film really kicks off. Yeah, I mean, like, so that the other thing that I thought was really good about the way that they portray Peter Vincent as being quite a, you know, he's a weak character. He's um he's going to be evicted. He's lost his job, and he's clearly got no money. And you see him kind of wandering about his flat and he's got a notice of eviction. And then Amy shows up and she's saying, look, you know, you don't you don't have to do anything. You just have to pretend. And he doesn't want to help Charlie out at all, even though he knows he's going to commit murder and that this guy's a fan of his. He still doesn't want to help him until Amy says, I've got a five hundred dollar savings bond. So he takes money off a child, basically. (laughs) So already he's he's kind of like. It's a bit like Charlie in that respect. Like they're they're kind of like anti heroes. You don't really like Charlie because he's been a bit of a dick to his girlfriend, and you kind of don't really like Peter Vincent because you think, well, you bloody con artist, and you're taking these kids' money, which and, all and adds to this he does feeling it. of like helplessness. Yeah, I mean Charlie, what his pressurising ways, the fact that he went so. I mean, we know he's right, but he was pushing everybody aside to prove these guys are vampires. You got Peter, who just well mugs Charlie off when he first meets him as some crazy fan. Only only decides to come along and join in this masquerade and charade when he's given five hundred dollars, yeah, from a teenager's saving like trust fund, basically her future money. He's like, I'll take it. Um, and given how much college costs in America, he's a real bastard, actually. Yeah, fuck you, Vincent. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. If you're listening, piss off, mate. Uh, pay her back. Pay Amy back. <sighs> Give her back every dime. Yeah. If not, I'm sending Bloggy after you. I'm sending the hit girl in. Exactly. Yep. She will beat the shit out of you. Um, um, so Peter is... Oh, Brack. Sorry, you've brought me up there properly. Um, <laughs> you have proper brought me there. So they decide to... So Peter... So Peter Vincent, he again, he's hamming it up the whole way. He's kind of, as soon as he gets, decides he's in it for the money, he suddenly kind of turns into character again. He's like, ah, oh, no, we need holy water. This is the only thing that can stop a vampire. Bloody, bloody, bar. So they, so they go around, they get Charlie. He's t- Char- uh, Peter tells Charlie, if this guy's a vampire, he'll blister upon touching and drinking this holy water. So they go in. The house just is fantastic. It just looks like a haunted house. There's fog everywhere. It looks like one of those old school horror houses from the 30s. And Peter's kind of sort of hesitant to go in to start with, but goes in and he's kind of very slowly 
gets his way in there because clearly he's scared to death by this. And Jerry and Billy, the vampiros, they are very charming as ever. Um, willing, they're smarmy and smug as they get the guys in. And Jerry takes the holy water and is down as a whole lot and nothing happens. As far as we're led to, led to believe, Charlie's a liar. Exactly. And he also did that very, very convincing skit. If I went down to Father Mary's and breath, whatever the fuck that bit was, <laughs> he goes, and you sure this is holy water? And he's like, ah, yes, and just turns Irish for no reason. <laughs> <laughs> A good accent that was, by the way. Thank you. It's, it's, it's stereotypical, but it, we'll, we'll let it pass. That's, well, that's what he did. Blame, blame the director. <laughs> we missed out the best part as well we missed out the best part which happens way earlier after Charlie and Amy have their little lover spat they meet the up burger. in the canteen and he get, she's trying to like make up with him and he sees the news that the hooker that he saw has been murdered and he just like completely walks away from her and she's like oh go, what are you doing so she gets someone's pie and shoves it in his face and then Evil Head's like you're so cool Brewster <laughs> <laughs> That bit, I cannot like that bit. I can't control myself. It's because he even like he even puts his finger on the pie that's on his face and yeah. tastes it. <laughs> <laughs> I know he's just the way he says it as well. His voice is so ridiculously his high and voice. energetic and excited. So he's just like, <laughs> that's it. I was saving that bit so I could hear your awesome impression, but I'm glad you brought it up now. <laughs> he's. Evil Ed is like my spirit animal. <laughs> I can imagine him and him would get on quite well over a couple of ciders. I think we would. I think he'd probably prefer you, though, from, from what I've seen from his IMDb. He's got eyes. Oh, he's got eyes. I thought, I thought you said he likes guys. I was like, yeah, no, that's what I was getting at. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not that dim, bloody hell. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, you could, you could still have a good time with him. Yeah, you could. Well, exactly. He's Evil Ed, come on. Yeah, exactly. Who wouldn't want to hang oh. around with Eva Lid? Just so we could say that you're so cool, day. bloggy. Yeah, you're <laughs> so cool, bloggy. But yeah, anyway, so yeah, they're doing the whole vampire test on him, and uh, and then and also and then and then like Peter, that's when Peter starts to become like almost like a father figure when Charlie's like. Yeah, well, he should touch this and gets out a crucifix, even though Jerry's already said, oh, I'm a born-again Christian, so you can't bring a crucifix and you can't actually use real holy water because I'm born again. So, so he started disciplining you, wasn't he? Yeah, and he's so like, there's rude. no need to be rude about this, Charlie. <laughs> yes, exactly. He, starts, he really starts turning into like an old dad or something. He does. And uh, Jerry Dandridge's outfit throughout like this whole thing, he's just he's constantly in a turtleneck and slacks, yeah. which is just like he's like the kit. He's got this synth band behind him. He's like meow, and you can't see his neck. It's like a real life Hank Scorpio. He really. <laughs> <laughs> like sugar in his pockets. Yeah. Oh, it's just a shame that he doesn't live out in one of those massive condos, but. Uh, yeah, you're right, actually. He doesn't. I, he... I didn't even give you my coat. <laughs> yeah, he has it on back to front. I didn't realise he had his neck covered up, actually, for the whole film, for most of that part. Swing low, sweet chariot. That's on the Hammock District. <laughs> <laughs> oh, dear. Anyway, back to the film. <laughs> yeah, go on. Yeah, I think that was kind of done, really, so you can just... Move on. 
Yeah. Nice. Well, thanks for that. Um, Simpsons, <laughs> Simpsons quote. We're going to get one in every show. If you can, if you can understand it, there's no prizes yet. But that's well, <laughs> not till because it's not till they're leaving because Peter basically thinks I've made five hundred dollars here, mugging these kids off. This guy's clearly not a vampire. He's just a you know very handsome guy who has a has his own soundtrack. But he it's not till he gets a mirror out and looks and happens to catch the reflection of everybody in the background and realizes that Jerry's not showing up and that is the one surefire sign that somebody's a vampire that they cast no reflection and he drops his mirror uh, which is handy because then it also gives Jerry a chance later on to realize what's happened does we also missed out the the massive foreshadowing of when uh, also this whole bit really confuses me so everyone comes into the house and he's like hello peter vincent hello eva led hello charlie i fucking hate you hmm. and then he's like oh amy peterson oh, Christ, and yeah. just like licks her hand basically yeah, it's like this weird kind of like so he yeah he like he like proper like gets her hand and he's like oh i'm charmed she's the fucking age apparently and this guy is clearly like 40 years old so there's like there's he's already he's, he's not only a, a predator he's a sexual predator as well poor amy's getting it left right and center i'm surprised that um peter vincent didn't try oh. i feel really sorry for her basically but then he go he turns around to um billy cole and says oh doesn't she look just like her and you're like Mm. so there's the whole they're playing with the whole dracula mina thing yep and there's yeah we're meant to believe that she's like a reincarnation of a long lost lover um but you can imagine jerry or she just looks a lot like her well yeah or look yeah and that's what uh, lures him in so he's skirting on pedophilia but uh he's also he also believes he can justify it by saying that he looks like she looks like somebody who i once got on with years ago but yeah that's a massive um part of the story which um yeah carries on throughout the whole film whole the rest of the film sorry so uh well remembered blogging old yeah so recap peter vincent is weak and shit evil ed's really funny charlie's a bit of a dick and now evil uh what's his name jerry dandridge is like full-on jones in for amy and it's really bad hank scorpio is jones in now yeah he's jones scorpio <laughs> jones in isn't a phrase i hear all that often i well done thank you so yeah we've got all of that that's come out that's basically your first half of the film that's what the characters are like we then fly into the second part like a vampire or bat uh as the guys are walking home Charlie, Amy, and the awesome Evil Ed. Evil Ed, pretend, he walks down an alleyway because he said, I'm not scared, and pretends that he's been attacked by a vampire, which really pisses Charlie <laughs> off. And he'll give you a hickey! That's it, <laughs> yeah. Um, he, yeah, yeah, he, yeah, he's not happy, basically, Charlie. So Evil Ed carries on his walk, and you know Charlie and Amy walk their way. And Jerry's on the prowl with his, with his uh, turtleneck. Jerry hunts down Ed, and... Apart from now, he's got a very, 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 very shiny, long Mac. Yeah, he's got a big old coat on, which doesn't it's help. Return his... of the Mac, basically. Oh. He's just going to fall out. It's like a big flash. It's, oh my God, it's like Donald Pleasance's flasher coat. Oh, we're going <laughs> full really circle is. here. It is. He doesn't help his reputation after he's jonesing for underage girls. Now he's walking around the night in a Mac. And it is the return of the Mac because you lied to me. It's just, it just doesn't help him out. 
<laughs> All those things he said they were untrue. <laughs> yes. It really is, though. He's like, oh, yeah, come with me, mate. I'm not going to hurt you. People just won't pick on you anymore. Uh, you know, small print, you'll be dead. Yeah, take my hand and, you know, well, I'll give you a better life, basically. And Yeah, and he wraps him up in his coat as well. It is very homoerotic. Like, I think Jerry Dandridge is almost like a Dorian Gray kind of vampire, <laughs> you know? He just still have anything. <laughs> yeah, I liked the fact that he did that. I thought it was just overly sinister. It was great, and it was just... It was kind of like the yeah, that was his out of the main cast. That was his kind of first capture, and the fact that he did it so you know he caught him underneath his cape, his coat. Sorry, his cape. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's like taking the whole like. So you've got the whole juxtaposed from like this is old school vampire to this is new school vampire. You know the whole Peter yeah. Vincent thing. So like typically it'd be like a big black cape, but now it's like a super trendy Mac. Like hey dudes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm shiny and I'm good to go. That's exactly what they were thinking, I bet, when they gave him that Mac. I think it is. I think that he's like, he he is now like the 80s, he's the 80s Dracula, basically, isn't he? Pretty this much, is what this yeah. is trying to be. Because he also turns into a bat and he's got his little Renfield guy who's, you know, also kind of cool and kind of trendy ish yeah. in a very lumberjack way. Yeah, in very. I mean, a big way, but yeah, lumbering way. But he's always got a plaid shirt on that Billy Cole. Yeah, and he just looked really. So this was his, that was his first film role. Jonathan Stark, the dude who played him. Um, is it his last film role? I don't remember hearing much about him after that. No, this is a shame actually. He was quite. I thought that bit with the. the I thought him and the detective played off well with one another. Yeah, they did. He was yeah, like the a vampire, and he's like, whoa. Yeah, it was good. And that that I think that that was what got him the role. That they when he auditioned for this part, other people were coming in and playing that role seriously. But he went in with that kind of humour and that light-hearted sort of, you know, sinister behind the eyes tone, and that's what got him the role. Yeah, because I think like he's actually he's quite flat as a character. You know, when you see him around Jerry and everything, he's very kind of like, oh, do you need, do you want me to, do you need me to do this? Should we do that? He's like he's very subservient. But then when he's around other people, it's almost like he's pretending to be human. Because yeah, then as yeah. soon as the detective leaves, like his smile just drops and he goes back to that sort of like. Deadpan. Deadpan. I'm a, I've got a bad shirt on. <laughs> yeah, and my hair. He's got a big forehead as well. He does. But the other thing is as well is that I don't... I, also, his character is extremely unnecessary because it seems to me that he is just a handyman. Like, all he does is he just paints the windows and... <laughs> Carries coffee. You know, helps nail some things to the wall. You know, he doesn't really, like... He's not instrument. He doesn't even help him get his prey because Jerry Dandridge does that all by himself. So actually, my question now is, what the fuck is the point in him? You're right. He's just kind of like well, genuinely though. Like, and what even is he as well? Because he's not a vampire. He's the MacGuffin, clearly. Because at the start of the film, he's the one you see painting the wagon and everything. He's the one I think you're led to believe is that the the big evil, I guess, because for the start uh, of the film, supposed to because I think Chris Sarandon was quite a quite a top bill at the time wasn't yeah, he yeah, it was, it was. Uh, he was quite an 80s hunk so maybe yeah maybe chris sarandon was supposed to be like a big reveal yeah i guess of the fact his name was on the poster probably gave it away but i maybe. think i think he's just kind of the setup for a bigger villain i think is what mm -hmm. he was there for and just kind of like the hired goon almost just was just there to intimidate the kids yeah i suppose yeah like that sort of double trouble type thing where you've got the big bad but you've also got his like like lapdog, which to get past as well, but um, Jerry, yeah, but at least Renfield had some point to him. I guess that's so, what yeah. I'm saying. Well, as the film goes on, yeah, he kind of 
by the end of it, it does. Beg I the think question. he's just there to be a gruesome death. Uh, yeah, I think like, he's just... they needed some kind of gungy thing to happen. So, <laughs> and he he gave that. You know, he kind of really did like a you know a full on Evil Dead gungy drag me to hell. Blah. Yeah, sort of, yeah, d- dissolve via gunge type death. But <laughs> he is there to kind of. I he think was like he's... a slug on salt, wasn't he? Uh, yeah, I hope you've never done that before. What, put a slug on salt? Yeah. I feel like I have. I used to like, I used I to proper like have. meticulously take apart snails. Oh, God's sake, you're, you're awful. Anyway, back to the film. Well, thanks for that. Yeah, thanks for telling us about your secret other life. Um, it's not a secret. Right now. I'm quite proud of it. <laughs> oh, and that's that's why you're my buddy. Snails in their wily way. <laughs> yeah, they shouldn't be so smug having a bloody shell. <laughs> so Ed, Evil Ed, the coolest character in the film, other than Peter Vincent, sons the fact that he's a bit of a knob. Um, he's been turned into a vampire, and we know he's just going to be an absolute rock and roll vampire. He there's a kind of uh, two scene attack going on after this because Jerry chases Charlie and Amy to a nightclub, which they shouldn't be in because they're only teenagers. And at the same time, uh, Evil Ed is going to visit, shall we say, Peter Vincent in his. Uh, in his home, his flat apartment. So we've got those two scenes playing off against each other. Um, Charlie tries to call the police again for help, but of course they're not believing him. Um, Jerry's hypnotised and abducted Amy and takes him onto the takes her onto the dance floor. She kind of awakens. The seduction yeah, scene. Yeah, basically she awakens as a woman in that scene. And at the same time, Evil Ed's trying to kill Peter Vincent, but that doesn't work because Peter puts a crucifix to his forehead and Ed comically just dives out of a window. But yeah, in the, in the club is when we have another big moment for the character of Amy. In the club. <laughs> yeah. That bit's like, that bit's kind of like, it, it, it cracked me up actually when I was watching this because I thought I'd like, because when I was watching it and I knew that we were going to have to talk about it and I knew that you hadn't seen it in ages and I was like, oh man, this bit's kind of pony really. <laughs> but they're, uh, they're like in a little alcove by a payphone. And it looks remarkably like the club that they go into in Terminator. That's a really good point. There was, I think the, the screenwriter, was, what somebody involved in this film worked on that Terminator. Really? I don't know. I, I'm thinking I could, it could have been Going one. Down of the, with a feather. Could have been one of the actors. It could have been anyone. But there is some someone worked on that film. Okay. Well, yeah. So the the club that they're in looks like oh, th- shit. The one in Terminator was called like Tech Noir. I, can't I don't know why I remember now, but... that. <laughs> I can't remember what it's what called. What was it? Oh, it was called something like that. It was really stupid. But yeah, so it looks a lot like that. And they're in this little alcove. Charlie's trying to phone people. And while he's doing that, Amy notices among the sea of people. Also, because Jerry's a vampire and he can fly, he's—I feel like he's gone and had a quick change. And he's I'm sure that good. he, I'm sure that he was a Polonet-clad Mac guy, and then and he's following them with his big Mac on and everything, big Mac. and down all the alleyways, and his his Mac's kind of billowing against the wind and all that shit. And then he gets to the club, <laughs> and he's got this kind of like crew neck thing going on now so he's got like he's got i don't know he's got like this really weirdly shaped jumper on it's like way too open at the top so it kind of like yeah and it, there's Fashion this bit hour with where, like, 
Sorry, I just went mad about his wardrobe choices there. I was like, oh, my God, he's so really The but fact that he's undead, I'd imagine the wardrobe change like, is through fine. Through the sea of people, and then he just sort of, like, keeps, like, going out of shot, coming back into That's shot, it, in going out. out inside, yeah. He's like Ninja Cat, but <laughs> Jerry Dandridge. <laughs> he's like Techno Cat. He's just like, boo, boo, boo. He's, like, going away, coming back, going away, coming back. And then all of a sudden, he's right in front of her face, and he's got the most creepiest leer on I've ever seen. Like, if, there, if you could, like, put, if you could, like, I don't know, say, oh, describe sharking to me. Like that would actually be it. <laughs> He's a sharky motherfucker. And he, he grabs her and she goes onto the dance floor with him. And he's like touching her thighs and that stuff. And it's all getting very... But the music that they play in that bit is just like awesome. Mm-hmm. Fucking love those I songs. Love the music in all of this film, to be fair. It's a brilliant soundtrack. I think it's the one that... Good Man in a Bad Time. And yeah. then the other one is... Uh, Oh, what is it called? It's by Evelyn Champagne something or other. She was like quite big in the eighties. She did a uh, Love Come Down, but yeah, then she did this other one. Something about being an English teacher. It's wicked. What is her name? Evelyn Champagne Evelyn King. Evelyn King, that's it. It is Give It Up. You did yes. it. And it's written by Bobby Caldwell, who's one fucking cool cat. It's like, because when I, when I first heard the lyrics to it, I was like, why would you need an English... I don't need an English teacher to help me to say I want you now. Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, well this is it. He wasn't an English teacher saying that he was a vampire. It's true. I thought that scene... I thought that... Yeah, I like the music in that in that, in that scene. I like the music in the whole film, but I thought this scene was... Yeah, it is all right. Um, I liked the bit on the dance floor, um, even, uh, even, even when he was seducing her, strangely... It was it's the build up to it when Charlie's on the phone for an inordinate amount of time and Charlie's I, on the phone to Peter, isn't he? Um, he's trying to get through to him, I think. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. And then he and then he does get through to him, but at the same time, Amy's just standing there, but she's been hypnotized. And yeah, it's the moments when Jerry goes off screen and sort of appears like stage left, stage right. It's odd, but yeah, when they get onto the dance floor, yeah, that's when she kind of she's been hypnotized and um basically becomes she doesn't become a vampire but she may as well do because uh, she's she's all over him in front of Charlie she is. in front of Charlie which well kind of say he deserved that but does does he well this is what I mean though so the whole way through the film like I think like Amy um you know obviously Amy's like rebuffing him because she wants to like stay pure she's a nice girl whatever we're not going to slut shame here and then as soon as all Jerry Dandridge has to do is do, you know, like disappear, come back, disappear, come back. And I think you know that she's she's obviously like under a spell when he like, I think he, he goes to put his hand up her skirt or yeah, something. Does, yeah. She pushes him away like she does with Charlie. And then she just undoes her blouse and gets her neck out. Yeah, yeah that's it. Like, go on then. That's it. She Here leans I up am. against him, yeah, back with, with her back to him and, yeah, just brandishes her neck. Yeah. Yeah, and then... It's like, that's it. Yeah, because Charlie confronts him about it, and he go- Charlie goes to punch Jerry, but with like the most nonchalant way. Whilst Jerry's doing his thing with Amy, he puts one hand up and just catches Charlie's fist, and just looks at him and just you know just pushes him down by his fist. He proper crushes his hand, doesn't he? It's like 
he does, yeah, he's, he's on the floor, yeah, he's got him on his knees, he's, basically. He's bleeding out of his hand, isn't he? Yeah, he's bending his hand, right, basically, yeah, he's crushing and breaking his hand. The va- he recovers from that quite well. He, beca- he recovers from it immediately, despite the fact that an undead being has just crushed his hand. But, yeah, the, the bouncer comes out, Jerry goes wolfie berserk on him, and the whole nightclub just, uh, what's the word, evacuates. But So, yeah, this is Jerry's first real sign of proper power. As he just slashes I love how that those web. guys as well, like, so they're confronted with a guy who, you know, they're like, oh, yeah, I've got this. They think they're just having a fight. And he goes to sort of try and chuck him out. And he, uh, you know, he punches him or whatever. And he's like, oh, Dion, help me, help me. And when he looks round, he's got bright red eyes and he's going, Bleh. you'd be like, all right, See ya. Mate, that's, you, you do what you like, actually. How much it's like had? a bit of yeah. Superman where he he's got um he gets that kryptonite and he starts flicking peanuts at the bar. <laughs> yeah. You know that like, the old like Christopher proper, Reeve yeah. one. And he's yeah, like, yeah, hey buddy, bar, yeah. he's flicking peanuts at glasses and smashing them, and the bartender's like, hey buddy, why don't you stop it? <laughs> and it's you're like, like, as if you would. You're gonna stand you up to this guy. It doesn't he say to him like, if you want chicken, go somewhere else as well. What, in Superman? In, uh, in Fright Night, the bouncer says something like, if you want some chicken, go, you know, go, you go somewhere else to find it or something like that. Maybe. Check it out. He gives the most like, odd line that does involve the word chicken and if you want chicken. Basically, like, I'm assuming he says, if you want trouble, F off. But he says, if you want chicken, go somewhere else. Honestly, he says something about chicken. Maybe they chicken. don't serve chicken there. Maybe. He just got, maybe, maybe that's to see. He wasn't a vampire. He just really wanted some finger-licking chicken. Yeah. <laughs> His fingers were quite long. He could probably lick some chicken off them. Oh, that'd be so funny if he gets that. He looks at Amy and he's like, she looks just like her, doesn't he? And he just gets out a painting. It's of the Colonel. <laughs> Finally, Colonel, Colonel Sanders. Yeah, cutting the flowers. Some of Amy's family bucket. Yo, oh, sexy Sanders gravy. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, how did this turn sexy into Sanders? Yeah, sexy Sanders? How did this turn into sexy Colonel Sanders? Why know. wouldn't it? I don't think we should question it anymore. I think we should just we should just change the podcast. He just loosens his bow tie and takes off his takes off his jacket. He becomes somebody else. I can see him as a bit alluring. He did, you know, all those secret spices. He certainly, you know, he knows his way around a bone. Oh, well, he's his finger looking good. Apparently, <laughs> you can be the judge of that. Lick his fingers. <laughs> <laughs> his secret recipe. Yeah, it's underneath his fingernails. I wonder what's in it. <laughs> it's chicken. Don't be so disgusting. <laughs> yes, it's it's chicken and nothing but good chicken. I don't mind KFC actually. It's probably one of the only takeaways I'll uh, fast food joints I'll go to. Other other fast food restaurants are available. Like Subway, what? go there. It's good. You don't get McDonald's or Burger King. Uh, I don't mind Burger King. McDonald's. <laughs> Um, when I was a kid, teenager, when I was Brewster's apparent age, I'd liked, I liked McDonald's, but since I've grown up, I hate it. it was really? li- I literally only eat it, but it's the last thing I could find. I'll eat Burger King, I'll smother myself in that. KFC, um, Subway, Taco Bell. I've never had a Taco Bell. It's quite nice, actually. It's all right. I love Mexican food. Pizza, of course. Yeah. I love pizza. Um, but I, I, McDonald's, ah. Is there something That's about really it? sad. I fucking love McDonald's, man. In fact, my perfect thing would be Burger King burger, McDonald's chips. Uh, I like the McDonald's chips. It's just a burger. Something about it, but I think it's because I've tried. I like Burger King, and I just prefer their meat. Yeah, no, their burgers are infinitely better. 
Oh, I bloody love McDonald's because now as well, see, seeing as you haven't been in there in a while, did you know you can customise your burgers now? So you can add like extra cheese, extra pickles, extra beef patties. You can put bacon in it. Mm. Now, now I know that I'm gonna have to give it a give it a shifty. Well, yeah, I mean, I like it because I don't like I don't like ketchup. Like I have this real problem with ketchup, so now I can okay. take the ketchup out without actually having to say to someone. No ketchup in my burger, and they always go really, and I'm like, yes. Yes, you judge me into shit. Would you like fries with that? Yeah, exactly. Look, no. <laughs> yeah, have it your way. Oh, that's Burger King. Well, <laughs> yeah, I like all that Dunkin' Donuts. If you're listening, sponsor the show because I give you a lot of my business. Back to the film because <laughs> we always go off topic and it's fun. But back to the film. Yeah, um, Amy's been seduced by Jerry, who's gone. Who's Gone mad. Who who couldn't have any fucking chicken? That was how we got onto this. Yeah. Because Jerry was denied chicken, and he tore and he that place out, to he pieces. Kicked yeah. out the club. Yeah, he got kicked out of the club because he couldn't have his he couldn't have his three piece uh, bonus banquet. He, Pete, uh, Ch- Charlie goes. <laughs> it's not a boneless banquet though, is it? He's got all the bones in mind. Oh good God! He's just well, he's got he's got another. Think about it. He doesn't he doesn't penetrate the bone when he punches the neck it's all the flesh and the meat and the blood oh plainly wants to fuck her as well well he gets a chance later on in the film let's get to it charlie goes <laughs> around to peter charlie goes around to peter who's just been attacked by ed and um says and you know says to him that amy's been abducted we've got to go and face him jerry's already said you know if you can bring peter vincent to me that's all i want bring yourself and peter to my house and maybe amy will survive so peter vincent is bricking himself he doesn't not want any part of this but that's when we kind of realise that look he's just a terrified old loner basically he's, he's he comes out and says look that was a character I am scared I'm terrified but he gets him on he gets him on board when he kind of gives him the speech that you know you're the vampire killer this is who you are in the in the meantime Amy is laying on the floor by a fireplace in Jerry's boudoir and um yeah her and Jerry get it on basically she gets her boobies out for him he then looks at them again very sharkishly and he goes in for the kill she he bites her he makes amy a vamp he does and she makes a lot of suggestive noises i don't think they actually have sex though you got i imagine um well uh when i watched it i assumed it was implied that they may have done but yeah she she did make those noises i think they would yeah well anyway yeah, she's a vampire. Yeah, she's been turned into a vampire. How? Yeah. So why? Why is it that Peter Vincent goes into? Oh, Peter Vincent goes into Charlie's house to try and find his mum. Yes, that's right. Because yeah, he he now knows what's going on. He's obviously he's a believer now. So he goes to try and find his mother, and um, his mother's not home. But his but but his dinner's in the oven. Oh my god! This bit, this bit is my favourite. Go on, go for it. I like this bit. Yes, he go, he goes in, and he's like, "Oh, Mrs. Brewster, Mrs. Brewster," and Mrs. Brewster's in the bed. Clearly got and like then, a uh, ragdoll's hair. Yeah, with ragdoll hair for some reason, and then he put he pulls the wig off, and then he goes, "Mrs. Brewster." Yeah. <laughs> Fully vampire that. Evil Ed. And Evil Ed is a... He's more terrifying than Jerry Dandridge. He is. Just, 
his makeup is like his. I'd believe it if he said, "Oh yeah, he was in makeup for eight hours." I'd be like, "Well, yeah, fucking two right, Jerry Tandridge." I don't get it, but anyway. So um, Evil Ed like gets up, and he's like, "Oh no, she's not here, but she left a note. <laughs> His dinner's in the oven, <laughs> and it's just the best bit." It is the best. The way he says it, and his laugh, and his little face. <laughs> He's going, it's almost like he's just horrible. Like everything yeah. about him is horrible. And so, um, so uh, they, have like a, they have like a bit of a scuffle, don't they? Yeah, yeah. And uh, Peter Vincent ends up ends up running running into the hallway, falls over a table, conveniently breaks it. <laughs> even though he's only a, like a little wisp of a man, he like crushes the table, like <laughs> conveniently in the shape of a steak wooden steak yeah and the legs come off so they're like a steak and then uh yeah and then ed turns into a wolf and attacks peter vincent and peter vincent stabs him through the chest with a steak through the heart through the heart yeah oh yeah i suppose yeah because yeah and then um it's like this just a like this is why this film's so awesome because it's got everything in it that you could possibly want like it's got it's got hookers, it's got vampires, it's got funny bits in it. And then it's got this sick-ass 80s animatronics. And they clearly, at the time, thought, yeah, that looks amazing. <laughs> you look at it now and you're like, it doesn't, but fuck it. Like, it's proper old-school It's not quite American werewolf in London. It's brilliant. It's so good. He's, he's like, it does look, it does proper look like Jim Henson's storyteller, you know, the hedgehog guy. Yeah, yeah. It, it looks was... pretty like, and Jim Henson kind of like pioneered all this stuff, so it probably was his animatronic design anyway. Yeah, it was Stephen Jeffries underneath all of that, and do you know how long how long it took? Well, if it took Jerry Dandridge eight hours to look like a fucking man, I guess I can't imagine how long it took. Twelve hours. Is that it? He he was in makeup for three days solid. <laughs> he was in makeup for eighteen hours for that final scene of his. That transformation what? scene at 18 hours. How? Because it what, did was... They, did they make all the, the latex moulds? I used to... I've, I've done... I can do all of this stuff, by the way. I've, I've never mentioned that. I'd, I've done makeup, so I know how... What? That doesn't make any sense. What, so did, did, did they life cast him while, like, on set or Pretty what? Much, yeah, and this is just, just, just everything about him. So it's they the spent a whole day life casting him, making the moulds... Didn't do hours. any of that beforehand, maybe, to save time. Okay, no, that's fine. Check that's it out. Really... It's 100% true. 18 hours. Okay, all right. Well, no wonder so... he's acting mental. Yeah, so, okay, so it took 18 hours for them to do that. And then I, well, then I suppose, yeah, because then they've got to fit all the animatronic devices within the latex and shit, haven't yeah. they? Nowadays, it would just be a khaki CGI, but, yeah, yeah it, it had that, that real feel to it. It actually put me in mind of the bit, um, you know, the bit on Poltergeist 2 where he coughs up the worm. Your f- one is this film, which you've mentioned twice in two episodes. Yes, I do know that bit. <gasps> oh, piss off. Oh, I don't know if I've mentioned I love The Exorcist. <laughs> favourite film. You've said that in every podcast. You even said that in the podcast that wasn't even about horror films. No, I did, didn't I? Suck my dick. But anyway... <laughs> <laughs> He, um, yeah, so that that bit, the whole bit, the animatronic bit, is just it's it's it goes on for way too long, and it's stupid and it it's far fetched. But that's that's what I sign up for when I 
when I watch an 80s horror, I want to see some really stupid prosthetics. Yeah, you start you watch it for the music and the cheese and the and those effects and you get that in spades in this film. Yeah. And I think that was when like I think that's when Peter Vincent, like something within Peter Vincent snaps. Do you know what I mean? He realises that he just murdered a, a boy. Yeah, because when he changes, because uh, well, yeah, he goes from being the dog wolf thing, he very, yeah, like you say, very, elong, very takes a long time to get there, turns back into Evil Ed, and of course, yeah, that's when he sees this naked boy with a st- stake through his heart and realises that he just he's just done that to this like poor kid. Yeah, and he kind of, yeah, something awakens inside him and he realises, firstly, this shit's real, and secondly, what have I done? So it's quite a cool yeah. moment in that sense. And I think it goes, to, I think that's when you, because I think up until that point, even though Jerry Dandridge has done some really horrible things and we've already established that he's a sexual predator and he kills those bouncers, but I think that's when you realise, like, just he needs to be stopped kind of thing. Like, it's just like, he turns that evil Ed into this horrible character mm-hmm. and then you realise that underneath it all, he's just he's just a kid, like, and Jerry Dandridge has kind of ruined him, basically. And he's going to do the same thing to Amy. So then it all becomes quite like, oh, my God. Oh, yeah. And I don't know if as well, when they, after that bit, his makeup, uh, Peter Vincent's makeup is less elderly. He looks yeah. more Roddy mcdowell Yeah, fresh-faced, if you will, yeah. He does. Yeah, yeah, he becomes, like, less pathetic, doesn't he, after yeah. that point. And I'm guessing in that moment that they went for that, uh, Tom Holland went for that, uh, on purpose because you can notice it. Yeah, he look, his, his hair's still stupid, but his face is uh, he looks a lot more youthful, doesn't he? Yeah, he look yeah, he looks like um, something's awoken inside of him and he's got his mojo back. Yeah. I mean this is when we get to the like the final confrontation of the film now with uh, Jerry and Charlie go back into the house looking for Amy. And encounter the human slug. Yeah. <laughs> and they capture Lurch. Because Amy's slowly transforming into a vampire. And of course, on the staircase, then you've got yeah, Lurch, aka Billy Cole, steps in. He's kind of like, "You'll get past me first. Uh, and uh, Peter Vince has got a gun, which he pumps him full of bullets, but that doesn't stop him. Uh, not bullets can't stop this guy. What does stop him in the end? I can't remember. It is he's yeah, he's undead. He's like, he's a servant. They stab him in the heart, but, don't they? Yeah, they yeah they used a crucifix against him. Which I use against everyone, I believe. And then, yeah, then they stab him through the heart, and he dissolves in a gungy, yeah, powdery mess. Yeah, because they use the crucifix, and he's like, I don't think that's going to work. And then, like, um, yeah, and then they what? They they just stab him in the heart, do they? And then he just melts. Yeah, yeah, he does. He has a m- m- over the top dead because yeah, and because uh, earlier on they because like, he's oh, and he uh, when he. When he does get shot, it, it, it's revealed that underneath all of those clothing, we finally find out his true purpose. He's a human smoke machine. Yeah, he's there he get... to create ambience. Like <laughs> he's, got, he's shot. Yeah, and then suddenly it turns back into like yeah, like his club atmosphere. His yeah, smoke no, machine's yeah. going off. I'm waiting for the strobes and the music. <laughs> See, what would have been better is if Jerry Dandridge had turned the bouncers into vampires, and then he could have had the steam music. There could have been a DJ. Yeah. I mean, like imagine the, those the bouncers undead. Yeah, they could have had their undead chicken. They wouldn't have even got through the door because Charlie wouldn't have had his ID on him. Yeah, <laughs> your name's not on the list, mate. Well, there's no chicken for you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Billy. Yeah, they killed him. He turns into a big old mess on the floor. He's 
yeah, he's a smoke machine, and they pump him full of bullets, and finally kill him off in the most over-the-top He's like let off steam, Bennett. Like that. (laughs) (laughs) He's like he's he's Bennett's cousin. (laughs) I'm learning something new about this film. Every every, everything you say. (laughs) But we've got. I like the bit where his eyes come out. Yeah, his eyes come out. His mouth just gets bigger and bigger as it just falls apart, and the gun comes out. Because, you know, guns comes out of people's like bodies. And skull. That's right, yeah. Slide across the floor and you're like, well, that's the end of him. Yeah, and the then, end of that chapter. Yeah, and so again, I'm like, you know, I have watched this film like loads and loads of times, but I've never watched it with the sense of, okay, I've just told someone else this film's fucking awesome. Like, I hope it is actually fucking awesome. So then I watched it again, like conscious that you were probably going to watch it at some point as well. The whole bit where, so after they kill him, and then they're trying to find Jerry Dandridge, and they're di- it's really stupid. Like so, there um, there's a bit where he looks at he looks out the window, like I don't, don't know where he is, and then he's like, oh my god, he's behind you, yeah, and he's like just by the window for no reason. He's like he, he keeps going like eh, and like trying to grab them and making all these stupid noises. And then when he does eventually like burst into the hallway, it's like the bit on Resident Evil, you know the you know the oh. game Nemesis where he like yes comes through the he comes through the uh the window yeah oh. and it's it, like i'm pretty sure they nicked that from fright night they they drew some uh inspiration drew some inspiration that's the way i'm looking for but yeah he from that and there's like a ridiculous montage shot so they've they've got a shot of jerry dandridge coming through that window at every possible fucking <laughs> angle like from under his ass from up above from to the side it's like it's ridiculous <laughs> It is like a it's music like we video, get it. He's it? jumped through the window after about spending 10 minutes fannying around outside, just, just being like... noises. <laughs> what I like in that wake scene Wake up, Amy, is... wake up, That's Amy. It. When in that scene, he just goes, show me how much you love me, Amy, in this most yeah, over-the-top really point. Like, it's like, how much you love me? <laughs> and it's like, what are you doing, mate? <laughs> His <laughs> he just suddenly become the more he becomes the vamp the more the more ha, the more like deli counter he becomes he's just stinking of ham but it's it, it, it's a hell of a transformation but you got Amy's a vampire and hmm, she looks pretty smoking as a vampire to be honest you got yeah, a well yeah. no she doesn't why when she gets that big mouth yeah but before that I mean. Oh, right, yeah, yeah, before that. That's the funny thing as well, is that for whatever reason, they've got it so that her hair is pinned up the whole time, but they haven't even tried to hide the fact that it's pinned up. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Her head is like a height. She's like Passion of the Christ, but with, like, hair clips. (laughs) It's ridiculous. And then she gets a big mouth. She does. You know what that's good for? Eating. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to (laughs) say eating chicken. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> this whole thing is the one big KFC advert. At the end, they all come out she with them. She used the bucket. That's <laughs> oh. where they store all the chicken in Amy's gigantic mouth. She just lays there and lets them put their bones in. Oh, oh for God's sake, I didn't mean to come out like that. <laughs> oh. Oh, we've, we've beat it out there in the world now. I didn't mean like that, but Amy... Put yeah. all bones in Amy's mouth. <laughs> Amy's a bone bucket. Bless her little heart. But yes, she did. <laughs> yeah, she was, she was all right. Gobbied. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, she, yeah, she got a bit gobby, and Peter finds his faith with the crucifix, and it all gets a bit mad now. 
faith. <laughs> we'll, we'll have to have <laughs> faith. Without George Michael. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just a... <laughs> They just, just changed the RPM on the vinyl. <laughs> You've got to have faith. Yeah, that's right, because he says that earlier on in the film as well. He calls him Backspawn of Satan. He's like, oh, really? And then he says, yeah, you've got to have faith. And he busts out. He's like, Backspreacher of the Night. That's it. And he's just looking and sneering at him like he's just an old fart. Um, but it all gets a bit mad here because um, Jerry turns into a killer bat and he attacks... He attacks uh, Peter, and it's brilliant because Peter's getting attacked for a full on about thirty seconds, and you think, and you clearly, he, his eyes are basically saying, "Can I have a little help here?" Because Charlie's just sitting in the corner, just watching, not doing anything to help. And he's just about to get his face. Didn't know Charlie. Charlie got bitten. He did eventually when he when he decided to help. What was what? No, something happened to him, didn't he? He got he got. Oh, yeah, he was fighting over. with Amy. Amy, he, Amy was trying to kill him, basically and bite him, and and she was. He was backed away from her, and he eventually, you know, managed to fight her off. And this is when Jerry's a bat, and he's just attacking Peter. And you know, eventually Charlie decides to, you know, help his mate out, the bloke who's been helping him, and tries to get the bat off. And then, yeah, then Jerry the bat bites Charlie. Yeah, Jerry the bat. <laughs> Jerry the bat. Little, little Jerry the bat. He bites. Jerry him. the bat. <laughs> Had to follow that up of just Jerry the Bat. <laughs> it just sounds like a kids show. It just say it doesn't. <laughs> Jerry the Bat. <laughs> Can we do it again, please, before we go on. What, Jerry the Bat? <laughs> <laughs> I'm easily pleased. Um, it's like batter up, Jerry the Bat. In fact, doesn't he say that at one point? No, he doesn't. He no, that's when he throws Charlie out of his room and he goes right up. That's so, like, yeah. Chuck him. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't then pronounce himself Jerry the Bat afterwards. For <laughs> 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 Jerry the Bat. <laughs> no, he doesn't just suddenly just declare himself Jerry the Bat. He never actually says that at all. I think he does it where he's like Jerry the Bat, Jerry the Man, Jerry the Wolf, <laughs> yeah. Jerry the Enigma. In the mirror, he does. When no one's looking, he kind of he looks at himself, flicks up his eyebrows like I'm Jerry. He can't the bat. see himself. Oh, fuck. <laughs> Do you know what his least favourite song must be? Man in the Mirror? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm looking for... Yeah. Um, I like that song. And I've just stopped myself from ruining it. Oh, I just choked myself laughing at that. But no, yeah. Moving away from Jerry the Bat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Jerry the Bat was never mentioned in the film, but um, apparently he declared himself that after he roundhoused Charlie out the window. Um, yes. No, because I thought he said batter up, but then I realised he said right up. Yeah, but he, he like, but oh, Jerry man. the Bat came, didn't come anywhere near this. <laughs> he didn't sort of put it like shift his chin up, <laughs> flick his quiff, <laughs> Jerry the Bat. Never happened. <laughs> it didn't. I'm actually crying. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> it didn't. <laughs> It didn't. If you want to imagine it, if it would have made the Why film better. Why did I say that? <laughs> if you think it would have made the film better, then we'll just imagine he said Jerry the Bat. <laughs> <laughs> if anyone wants to do any Jerry the Bat fan fiction or images, artwork, send them our way, please. <laughs> oh dear, no, it's really quite painful now. We've got to stop talking about it. <laughs> right, I'm going to move on in three seconds. <laughs> So, yeah, so the the bat has bitten Char- <laughs> has bitten Charlie's arm, 
And um, as he barks, we can hear him go. Oh, we've just got to stop talking about the bat. I can't go. You can hear like you can hear like oh, in Wayne's world. Like it's just as he just as the bat bites Charlie, it goes din, 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 Jerry the bat, and then he flies off. Um, <laughs> so, that, so that whole time you've got Amy. She's mad. She's in the basement, and the Jerry the bat has flown off, and he's he's in the he's just, it's time to go to bed. He's gone into the coffin. And Peter now thinks he can drive the stake through him because he's not Jerry the Bat anymore. He's just Jerry, Jerry the corpsey looking dude. And this is when it all gets a bit wild now because Peter stabs Jerry in the heart in his coffin, doesn't fully kill him. And then they realise that the only way they can kill him is by letting the light in and smashing the windows with this like mental, like mad piano led score blaring away. Yeah, that bit again, that's really drawn out and really silly. And he does that really like, so like they get, they smash like a few bits of light and he's like, and like making all these weird noises. And then he manages to like, he corners, which one of it? He corners like he corners Charlie or whatever in the, and he's doing this bit where he, keep, he keeps like doing like these gymnastic sort of like vaults he over his coffin. Over the coffin and he's yeah. going, yeah. <laughs> 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 it's really silly. Yeah, and the fact that they, then they realise they've got to let the light in, even that's really what kills a vampire. Yeah, they start smashing the lights, and every time they do it, it's like blare of the music, and there's a bit more Bleh! from um, Jerry every time a light's gone, and Amy's trying to stop it, but she can't. She's cowering in the corner now. We but totally missed out the bit where Amy gets a massive mouth, though. Like, that bit's fucking terrifying. That bit is probably the most arresting image of the film. And that's one the, of probably the best makeup. Other well. than uh, Evil Ed's makeup and how he looks the that moment when she because she just kind of turns her head and suddenly she's got like this like big demon mouth yeah because she goes she's he she's like he actually hurts her a bit doesn't he and yeah. she turns around and she's like oh charlie and sort of has her normal voice you said again. that you said you protect she, me not only does she change her hair and everything she then like she has like a deeper voice she's like hey what's the matter don't you want me slinking like, towards him yeah, you can she tell Charlie's like interested. This, like siren woman. <laughs> yeah, she does. You see, yeah, she slinks towards him in her um, in her get up, in her white get up, and then yeah, Charlie gets the crucifix out. That's what it is. He gets out, and then, yeah, she, and then she just sort of goes like a cat in the in the headlights. But yeah, and then she kind of turns her head. And she's got this big old goggly mouth, a bit like Pennywise did in the new It when he came out of the projector, big mouthed and all that. Yeah. And that is it. It's yeah, it's a, really like it, isn't it? Yeah, it's a proper sort of... <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> it's a bit like it, isn't it? It's a proper sort of horror-type image, especially back in the 80s, like those like, Night of the Demons and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that was a cool, but that was a generally pretty scary image um, of her. So, yeah, um, well-remembered. And then Jerry dies. In the most ridiculous, over-the-top way, again. He gets flung into the opposite wall. Yeah, and his skeleton's, like, not even... I always, I never understand that, where they're like, oh yeah, look, it's obviously a monster because its skeleton's weird. And yeah. I'm like, why isn't his face weird then? <laughs> it doesn't make, it just doesn't make sense. He's pushed against the wall and he's dissolving again, he's gunging because apparently when you die, you emit gunge. Um, he's gunging, he's screaming, he bursts into flames, he's melting in front of their eyes. It does take quite a long time to do it. But um, he, fight, yeah, so it's the sunlight, is what, it's the light that destroys the darkness. In that basement, and, and then Amy, Amy gets her hair back to normal. Yeah, she reverts back to her Lips human form. Goes straight back in. 
Yeah. It's like they were never they were never out. Like nothing ever happened. Voice back to normal. Suddenly, they they all have a cuddle. Uh, Peter, Amy, and uh, Charlie. So seemingly, you know, everything's all right. You'd think. Yeah, until the police find a dead boy in the fucking house. <laughs> yeah, but you know, this like, is I feel really sorry for Charlie's mum because she, as we fully know, she was on night shift, so she's probably on her way back home. She probably thought there'd be a few the dirty dishes, maybe. Broken. His best mate's been, you know, impaled, impaled. through the heart. He did, the dinner's still in the oven. He didn't eat it. So. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, his dinner is still in the it's, oven. Spent all that effort and all she comes home is I fine. what the dinner it was. Do you reckon it was chicken? <laughs> if it wasn't chicken, they missed a trick. Chicken tonight. <laughs> if it was chicken tonight, I would have left it in the oven, to be fair. I hate that stuff. I love the advert. I feel like chicken tonight, like chicken tonight. If you're not in the United Kingdom, we probably just alienated you there. But uh, Google, YouTube it. It's all over it. It was it was a thing for a while. People would sing it in school. That, and... It wasn't a thing for just a while. It's still a thing now. You can't really say I feel like chicken without someone going chicken tonight. <laughs> yeah. It's like oh eight hundred double oh ten sixty six. Yeah, the people can't say <laughs> people can't say confused anymore. They've got to be confused dot com, which makes me inordinately angry when I hear somebody say that. Uh, do you know what pisses me? No, it pisses me off when people go simples, and I'm like, seriously, go simples. and die. <laughs> like, <laughs> get away from it. Or people actually have a meerkat, and I'm like, fucking really, dude. <laughs> this is the other side of this is the darker side of blocky coming out now. No, it's no. Honestly, I feel like a lot of people feel the same way as me. Who, who, who collects those things? You see them on eBay, and you're like, really? Like, oh, you've got one, haven't you? I haven't got one. You you're getting quite de- you're getting quite defensive about it. I haven't got a meerkat and messed it on my lap and I've sod off. Okay. <laughs> no, <laughs> I don't have. I'm not even with Compare the Market. Though I do like. I do think they've uh, made a lot of money and their marketing's done quite well because their adverts are getting bigger stars and bigger stars and the, their their budgets are quite big. I've noticed that. Um, but that's just me. Anyway. Cherry the bat. <laughs> I can't get over Jerry the Bat. I really can't. Like, I've got this image of him, and he's sort of like he's like a cross between I don't know, like Blues Clues and one of the magpies from Dumbo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's like this, like he's like, this, he's like this funky, like yeah, Jerry the Bat. I've got him as like the funs. Or like dear Danny, Danny from Greece, kind of like e Jerry the Bat, e type thing. Fifties <laughs> yeah. like rock and roll bat. He bangs his bangs his bangs his wing on the jukebox. <sighs> Everything seems okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then a few nights later, which is even again weird. Amy and Charlie, you know, they're on the bed. This is the moment, you know. This is this is it. The awake, the sexual awakening. They're finally going to do it. And they've still got fucking Fright Night in the background with Peter Vincent. And even then he gets up and he's, he's like... He's got his old job. He's got his old job back and he looks at the camera and he's like, Hey, Charlie. Almost like he knows what he's doing. <laughs> Way, Charlie. <laughs> that's it. He's like, ah, that's it. Keep going, Charlie. Um, and then... Keep the faith, Charlie. <laughs> yes, sir, that's right. He's like, come on. He's trying to get his end away. Why are you still watching an old man on television, which is creepy? And why are you winking at him on the telly? So Charlie finally uses his loaf and gets off to turn the television. But then we get the final scene of the final line. 
oh yeah where he's like oh yeah what's that and he's like oh nothing and then it's like right you're so cool Brewster. yeah just like just just uh copied and pasted in from the earlier on pretty much yeah yeah you can get that scene at the end so it finishes with that kind of like that the most famous line of the whole film is just copied and pasted at the end just not quite sure why but uh yeah ed's out there somewhere and we can only assume that they went on to have happy lives i know tom holland wanted to make a sequel about uh charlie being a single dad and ed living next door and bringing back uh and ed's uh Ch- charlie's kids thinking there's a vampire next door it turns out it's ed and basically it's the same story with ed and ed as the vampire oh okay well because there is a fright night too and it's really really bad yeah there's a fright night three as well isn't there well, oh god is there uh no there, no there was going to i think there was going to be but yeah fright night two is Fright Night Two is awful. It's, For some reason, sure. um, he felt the need to to give vampires roller skates. So yeah, someone gets yeah. attacked by a load of vampires coming out of the mist on roller skates, yeah. and you're like, "Fuck!" That's like double trouble. Yeah, because this film focuses kind of more on the horror. It has got those kind of fun moments, but the the six subsequent sequels, I think there is a Fright Night Three. Basically, they just went comedy, and they're just absolute mints. Whereas, um, yeah, Tom Holland did want to do an actual follow up to this film, and. With the uh, returning cast, but and there was that remake, obviously. No, because I think I think Charlie's in Fright Night too, but it's that he's at college and he's not with Amy anymore, and he just he dates like he's dating some girl who's a vampire. Yeah, but that film's shit. Um, yeah. There is there is a remake as well, which Chris Sarandon, oh, Sarandon has a very small cameo yeah, in it. But... That film absolutely sucks bollocks. The remake <laughs> is just like. They you... they turned Peter Vinchin in, into like some magician guy who and it's oh, I don't know actually evil yeah who is like, like and violent. he um, he's like he just it's just David Tennant playing Johnny Depp in Pirates of the Caribbean but with cards and being David Tennant <laughs> not uh, not having quite yeah. the charisma as Johnny Depp yeah I was going to ask you about that but we pretty much summed up the the remake as just pap but no I didn't oh, and like Colin it. Firth is just like he's not. Like See, the thing Ford. about Jerry Dandridge and Chris Sarandon is that he was kind of classy, whereas, like, you know, it's just, it just doesn't work, does it? Because he's got such a spiteful, horrible face. And I like the Firth, but strangely, yeah, it just doesn't, it's not a fit. Basically, the film, right. it, it was... He's not, he's not right for it. No, it's good of them to try, because, you know, the, the cast all were behind, the original cast were all behind the film, for the most part. And Tom Holland, he enjoyed it, and he did kind of say, yeah, they... It lacked the humour, or what you know that what gave the original Fright Night that that something special. They they missed out on that in the remake for kind of more of a, a straight up you know horror film, which you know. Fright, I think if you Fright want Night to watch the modern equivalent, it needs to be that Disturbia with Shia LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah, with LaBeouf. Yeah, yeah, you're right. True. Yeah, that's in fact that's a very good comparison. It's a fucking bastard of a comparison. <laughs> when you put it like that, how can I argue? But you're right, it is an absolute barnstormer of a comparison. Um, and yeah. I like Shia LaBeouf as an actor. Um, I think he's mental, but he's very good at what he does. Shia, surprise! <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so let's do a remake on it. It's all right. That's the film. You've mentioned that you you can watch this film religiously. You We know that you love this film. So I guess what are your overarching opinions what was the things you liked the most about this what do you remember from it what don't you like about it and you know has it left any kind of impression on you as soon as you watched it from 1999 on the old vhs uh 
Um, yeah, I mean, like, so I guess with this film, for me, and this is purely for me, I'm just going to be selfish and talk about myself now. Please do. Um, it's just got everything that you could want. It really has. It kind of starts off, you know, and it's a bit of a romance story. And then you've got like a bit of titillation and it's all a bit like, oh, you know, there's a man next door and all this. And then, you know, there's humour in it. There's peril. There's distress. There's like, they all overcome like extreme adversity. Like each one of the characters does in their own way. Like Ed's getting picked on at school. Charlie's, you know, clearly got some issues. Hmm. Hasn't really got dad about. There's all sorts of things going on. But it's funny, it's scary, it's sexy, it's like it's everything. But it's it's all it's all like it's all within the right dose. It's not it wasn't too scary for me to not be able to watch it. It wasn't too sexy. It's not, you know, it's just it's like it's like a nice lukewarm everything. Yeah, it's all wrapped up in that kind of 80s sheen. Yeah, see but it's it's it sort of feels like you know, like the Goonies, but with a vampire in it. <laughs> yeah, I well, kind of, yeah. I can see, I can sort of see where you're coming from. Do you get what I mean? It's kind of like almost like an adventure. Yeah. It's like oh. It's yeah, it's adventure except one of the Goonies is a wife old man in this film. Yeah, and there's only two of them. <laughs> yeah, and the adventure is limited to their neighbour's house. I think that yeah, I think that definitely Lost Boys is probably like a level up from this. Um. But when you think about it, because you've got the Frog Brothers, you've got the humour there, you've got the family bonds, you've got it's just like an up, not, it's just like an upgrade. But does it mean it's a better film? Who knows? But I know, yeah, there is the yeah, level ups. Right, night is like the Lost Boys' little brother. It's it's like the Lost Boy to the Lost Boys. Yeah. Oh well, I thought this film was alright. I um I knew I'd got I went into yeah, it so knowing. I'm still waiting to hear what you thought. I know. Well, I went into it knowing that. You really like this film, or appreciate this film an awful lot, and I, like you and everybody else who watches films who's got half a brain, you try not to let other people's perception alter what you think. But of course, I was aware that you wanted, you liked it, but I wasn't going to go in and just mindlessly sort of cream over it if I didn't like it. But no, I did actually, I did enjoy it. There was something about it. I don't know what it was. Maybe it was everything you just mentioned, and maybe it was that kind of eighties sheen because I. Like a lot of people, I've got a real soft spot for that 80s horror. There's something war- gives that like a warm feeling inside, something about it, a fuzzy feeling about them. It's the way they look. I don't know if it's the acting or what it is, but there's something about them which draws me in. Um, and I had a good time with this film. Yeah, there were some parts that were that looked awful. Some parts like the the death scenes, which were, they were fun, but also looked a bit crap at times. So yeah, the... Uh, there's nothing in this film which I didn't like, if that makes any sense. Like like we've mentioned, there are some plot points which were a bit were a bit iffy, and some of the decisions were a bit weird, or some of the costume special effects were a bit awry, even for the time. But there's mm. nothing in this film which I thought was, you know, an absolute letdown, which kind of knocked it down anywhere in my in my rating. So um, I can see why you why you would love this film i can see why it's got the i had seen this film before but not for about 20 odd years a long time um so i can see why it's got its place in that sort of cult horror standings but no i had a good time with this film there wasn't an awful lot which i didn't really like about it pretty good film right it's not bad at all i mean what have we watched so far we've gone through halloween 1978 uh yeah 1978 
The Conjuring, and now Fright Night. So where are you placing it in amongst those three? Ooh. It's Pickle. I think The Conjuring is still is still top for me. I think it would go Conjuring, Fright Night, Halloween. Bugger. Same here. I was hoping you'd put Fright Night as number one so we could have a different lit table. Oh, yeah. really? Oh, shit. No, no. I was, no, oh. yeah, no, because Conjuring is like, Conjuring is a horror film. Yeah, yeah. You know, Fright Night's like... I don't know. Fright Night. Fright Night. I, I, I almost wouldn't put it as a horror film. It's almost like a, a monster movie. It's not like. Do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, no, yeah. Like, it's not like that. Fright Night and The Exorcist are like. Yeah, they're in the same family, but Fright Night. It. And I'm going to bring it up again. It's like, you know, the whole Poltergeist sort of. You know, it's kind of like family friendly horror. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, horror. We don't, everybody out there's horror comes in different waves. It could be a psychological horror, it could be horror comedy, horror thriller. And this, yeah, and this is kind of has its own little area because it's not horror comedy, it's not quite no. horror thriller, it's not horror mystery, it's not quite horror monster. It's kind of like dabs a little bit of uh, it's a teen things. horror, isn't it? It's a teen movie, it's your 80s, it's like, it's like a drive through. It's thing. a throwback. Drive through, drive in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just going to drive past it's this gonna, movie. It's going to drive through this movie. It's yeah, it's like a throwback to those old films with like wrapped up in an 80s gift wrap. It's, so see, it's something has its own kind of uniqueness to it. No, no, and in, in the characters and like the lines. You know, you're so cool, Bruce. And that, everybody knows. Surely people know that line. Eva Led was such a great character. Peter Vincent and um, uh, Roger McDowell was Peter Vincent. He's just play. He just plays that role so well, and he he later on he kept wanting to come back to that role because he loved it so much. Chris Sarandon's great as Jerry. Yeah, everybody. I don't think there's any really like bad, like terrible acting in this film. I don't no, think. I, think. I mean, actually, the worst acting is Amanda Amanda whatever her face is. Amanda Bears. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, but even then, she's not really given an awful. I don't think she's given that much to do in this film. Really? To be honest, her, the way that she says Charlie really pisses me off. It, it did when I was a kid Charlie. as well. She was like, you don't want to go into that house then, do you, Charlie? And the, when, when she's at the beginning of the film, when she's covering her modesty, just as Char- Charlie first notices what's going on outside, the way she says, I'm ready, I caught that, I'm ready. If you watch it, she really emphasizes the word ready. And it didn't feel I'm that ready, really Charlie. odd. It did feel really, it sounded really strange. But yeah, she's not really given an awful lot to do apart from sort of unfortunately to sort of look a bit hapless, then become a siren, and then yeah, go back to just being, you know, the girlfriend again. So she's kind of relegated, I think. I know she's integral to the story, but she, you know, you, yeah. Charlie, Jerry, Peter, even well, not Billy Cole as much, but Eva Led, they're all given more to do and they all make more of an impression. I also really, really love that bit. You know, um, there's like there's a couple of bits actually that I really love. Like, so the bit when Charlie's mum calls him and he's hiding under the bush, and then he runs in and tries to bundle his mum in, and his mum goes, "What are you doing?" And like she makes this really weird <laughs> yeah. noise. And when I was a kid, I used to rewind it over and over again. I don't just know why. She used to be like, that. "What are you doing? What are you doing?" Like it used to really crack me up. And then the other bit. It's when the, when the detective go and he's like, you'll find Jerry down for sleeping the sleep of the undead. And the detective's like, what the hell <laughs> yeah, what are you talking the, about? Yeah, right, yeah. It's, just, it's weird. <laughs> I love that detective. He's only in it for, what, a minute, a minute and a half. But every line of his is just fun. The way he's <laughs> going to haul his ass, cart his ass off to, to jail or however he says it, it's just awesome. Because you should check down the basement. What's down there, Charlie? 
Yes, Charlie. What's, What's down, down there? there? Yeah. <laughs> that is a one of the better scenes of the film. Yeah. I like the night. I like the parts of the nightclub scene. I like most things of Evil Ed in, uh, in the beginning when he's just Ed or Evil Ed, of course, before he becomes vamp- vampiric. I like. I love it when he turns into that vampire because he just uh, plays it up so much, and he he generally is quite sort of unnerving in the role. When I don't he's know, a vampire, I find I find it a bit too much. Really, I liked it when he became the like, vampire. Arr! It just gets a bit silly. He really became the dog, but I mean, when he when he's on the, I think I lo- I thought he just looked the part as the vampire. Yeah, he does. He does look really good. I like the bit where he goes, "Welcome to Fright Night for, for real." real. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the led after he's played that prank in the alleyway. He later on, obviously, when he's being you know neckly molested by Jerry, he's screaming, and Charlie and Amy hear that. And Amy's like, "Should we go?" And uh, Charlie's like, "Should we go and see him?" And she's like, "No, don't. You know, he's going to goof you off again." And he's like, "Yeah, no vampire's going to want him anyway. Probably give him blood poisoning." <laughs> so there's that kind of throwback to what you were saying about uh, Bram Stoker's Dracula, I guess. Yeah, I mean that bit is quite kind of like I don't know, homoerotic. Yeah. What the bit? Do you mean the bit where he actually but takes him under his cape, his mask? Yeah. Yeah. It's almost like he gives him a kiss, isn't it? Yeah, there are though. I think there are those kind of tones throughout because um, I, th- I think to me anyway, because obviously you've got Peter, uh, sorry, Jerry and Billy who are living together, and they kind of give off that impression that they're two guys living together. So there's that. There's just Eva Led himself kind of has that kind of uh, appeal to him and that kind of air about him. Um, so I think we all know what he did after Fright Night, and of course, uh, maybe that's tainted by what he did later on, but. Uh, there was Which that. we haven't mentioned, he went on to have a hardcore porno, porno career, career, and yeah. it's like under much speculation. He like did Friday Night, left the industry, came back as what was it Stephen Ritter? Yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, that's how he. That's what he did after Friday Night. He stopped becoming a vampire and yes, went into went into the hardcore, not just pornography, but hardcore pornography. Hardcore pornography. He's in something like. Anal raping of like he's in like some fo- like it's co- it's got like a really awful name like fucking anal rape pandemonium seven or something and you're seven. like whoa what were the other six like I don't know probably, probably like, all quite similar really I'd imagine the storylines don't change too much but um shame it shame he had to wait six times to for his go but um yeah that was what he did after Fright Night he, I don't know how 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 much he likes talking about the film or anymore, but I've read that he's a bit... Uh, I, don't, I don't think he does. I don't think he likes talking about it at all because people always try to... There's all like... If you go on the IMDb forums about him, it's just like there's mad speculations. And I think he said, like, I don't want to talk about it. Yeah, he's very... Just for some reason, just got off, like, uh, discarded his meal ticket pretty much but you know fair play to me also be known for other stuff like hardcore porn but <laughs> each to their own I guess but so it's fair to say Bloggenald really likes this film still has the country and above it but if you're talking about filmmaking rather than opinion if you're talking about filmmaking and just film in general uh, yeah I, I put in the country and above it and I also have this above Halloween I, Halloween was okay but I just preferred this film it, sometimes it does come down to preference and I did prefer this film to Halloween, I think I think I had more going for it, and I know I'll probably get called a heretic and everything for that, but no, I just took more from this film. Just because it's old doesn't mean it's good, and this film's got Jerry the Bat in it. <laughs> yeah. 
<laughs> he, yeah, Michael Myers was just a, a crazy guy with a hockey mask. This guy's got a, a quiff, quiff rocking bat in it. Exactly. Yeah, and how many films can say that? Jerry Return of Jerry the Bat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so Fright Night. It's getting a thumbs up, I guess, from the both of us, can I say? Yeah. Yep, definite thumbs up from the both of us. Next month, we are going to be reviewing a film that neither of, neither of us have seen. And it may go to keep going down that way because, you know, it then means that when we come to do the show, we don't know what the other person thinks and it adds that extra layer of ambiguity and fun to it. So next month's film is going to be one that we haven't seen uh, leading up to Halloween and uh, the Halloween pit period and season uh, and any kind of specials which come in. We're going to obviously watch the new Halloween when it comes out and we're going to do a special about that. But yeah, so Friday, I think that's pretty much it for this episode of uh, Death by Pod. So once again, thank you so much for giving me your time tonight, uh, Elizabeth. No worries. Thanks for having me. No, and it shall continue forever uh, as we are both undead. But until then, <laughs> until the end of time, where can the world find you on the internet? You can find me at Bloggy Balboa on Twitter and on WordPress. Check it out. There's some awesome blogs on there which cover the entire spectrum of movies, not just horror films. Uh, but yeah, go and immerse yourself in that because bloody brilliant. Uh, if you want to, you can find me at whatiwatch.co.uk on Twitter, Instagram, and now back on Facebook as well. So uh, go on there, like the page, enjoy the content. Um, if you're listening to this, which you are, because you can hear us, it'll be on iTunes, Podknife, Anchor FM, Stitcher, TuneIn, Cast, anywhere you can, literally anywhere you can, Spotify, you can find the podcast. We are on there. So if you like what you hear, please tell your friends. If you know they like horror films, tell them there's a horror pod out there, which they'll uh, have a great time listening to. If you don't like it, just shut up. Nobody needs to know about that. So until next Boo. time, from me, it's Sia, and from blog Elizabeth Balboa, it's bye. Jerry the Bat. <laughs>